Super Duty Tough Work. We made Finally. It. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot going on, man. A lot of obstacles. Yeah. You know, we finally back, man. For those of you at home, we didn't want to take last week off. <laughs> Issues. Yeah. Technical. We came and we sat down at the computers. We was ready to do what we normally do. But I had some sound issues last week, man. I, my, my, my audio interface would not work. I couldn't hear myself. Did all kind of stuff. Swapped it out. Still couldn't. We, it got to the point where we just said, fuck it. And I was having a fucking bad day anyway. So I was like, let's just try this again. Today, you know, almost had another one. Lost. Another one lost. <laughs> we made it, though. Yeah, we pulled this one back from the uh, the clutches of defeat. We pulled it back. <laughs> like, nah, man, nah. Not giving up this week, you know. So we back. And uh, podcasting, man. Doing this thing we do every fucking week as long as you know our gear allows super duty tough work how you doing sir i'm good man good yeah. good yeah man good rearranged my studio last week yeah look, look i see you showing a little more in the shot behind you now you know yeah yeah i think that's your left shoulder or whatever you see look like i got some plants going on over there you know yeah you know okay, just a little something, little something okay. you know okay, what i'm saying <laughs> Logic, we update the formulas on the low. You see this, man. <laughs> Every time we show up, his shit get about 5% better. You think I'll be noticing the little little tweaks he be making every week on this video. You got to be on YouTube. This is for our YouTube uh, watchers. I know we got yeah. a lot of people. More, the majority of our listeners are audio. And so, uh, you know, y'all don't see this, but I see a Logic every week. And every week he get a little more crisp. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's lighting be a little more balanced. You know what I mean? His yeah, background will show a little bit more. His color palette be a little more creative, man. You got to see this guy, man. He's stepping <laughs> his game up. <laughs> I see. You got to do it. You I know what I'm saying? You. See, we have formulas. Yeah, you know we do. I mean? You know. <laughs> we update the formulas. You over there with the Ruby's Cube action. Update the formulas. Yeah. Yeah, nah, that's that's what's up, man. Yeah, I see. I seen you. You put a poll out to the people, and it looked like they want you to live stream at nine o'clock on Mondays, buddy. Yeah, that's about that's that's about where it's going. So, you know, hey, I gotta make those moves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, people yeah. have spoken. You know what, what I mean? What can you say? What can you hey, say? I, I didn't ask them for no reason. You know nope. what I mean? <laughs> to not listen to them, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The logic posted a poll on his Twitter uh, about basically saying, you know, he posted some dates and times for him to do his live stream and seeing what people work. I think he had four total dates, right? Was it like yeah, Thursday, yeah. Friday, and a Saturday, and a Sunday, and a Monday date? Or, and then uh, people was just like Monday at nine p.m., buddy. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you you know, and and that's when I did that uh the the artist advice hour. Mm-hmm. It was it was good. You know, there's something yeah. about that Monday that works. You know, yeah. I think it's probably like that's the first day of work. You know what I'm saying? And like that evening, people are looking for something to, you know, kind of unwind and, yeah. you know, dive into. And so like Sunday at seven was like second place. I think it was like 39 yeah. percent for Monday and like 32 percent for Sunday. So, yeah. But yeah, man. But yeah, you got to roll with what the people saying. Like, hey, man, Mondays. I yeah. would, you know, and it's funny because, yeah, you never know till you ask. Right. 
Because you that's and I have I had it. conversations, and I was just like, I, I don't know. Ask, ask them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask questions. You know what I'm saying? What chapter is that? Yeah, yeah. It's in the book, folks. <laughs> it's in the book. You know ask what I mean? questions. You see what I'm saying? You know, so yeah, the stuff works, man. The social media cheat code. You know, we talk about that in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, support the uh, movement by the book. Uh, this week, we back, man. And, uh, you know, this topic this week, we want to talk about what I like to call the direct-to-fan revolution. Now, the direct-to-fan revolution is, is a movement that started a while ago. And I didn't start it. I just participated in it. But I was reminded of it uh, last week by a video from another Columbus artist who um, is going on that journey, uh, Soup, Supernatural. And so he had someone tagged me on a video he made and he was basically talking about, you know, the streaming wasn't paying. He was tired of waiting uh, and he was ready to start going direct, you know, and he was launching his, his merch store and he had some dope like upsell package. He got this picture book. That's real dope, you know, for his next record, pre-ordering his record. Don't come out till October, November or something like that. And, um, it was, and he was like, you know, he's like, I'm just trying this. He's like, and other cats have been doing this, you know, like Nipsey and Blueprint and da da da. And I was like, oh shit, gave me a shout out, you know. Um, but it made me think that, yo, this is a conversation that is now established in the independent artist mm-hmm. lexicon, you know, because you still have these warring forces of like streaming. And you still have these situations of like uh, wanting to be signed mm-hmm. and wanting all the things that uh, people tell you is going to work. And so in this episode, we want to talk about like the benefits of going direct to your fans or direct to your consumers instead of doing a traditional route of marketing um, that everyone will tell you to do and why it can work. And so no matter what you do, whether you sell art, whether you sell, you know, books, music, widgets, whatever your product or service is, um, you want to, you want to, uh, understand the benefits of this because it can really be something that works for you and you don't have to do it all the time, but Mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, we've adopted into our playbook permanently pretty much. And it's something that if you understand, you can really make work. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Work. We got you stuck off the realness, the most infamous, you heard of us, official podcast murderers, the show comes equipped with few points to share, grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow, so go ahead and download, every single week with a brand new episode, you're not alone in this world cousin, so we share information and honest discussion, and keep repping the culture, like we supposed to, they spread gossip but they never come closer, I can hear it inside their tone, they talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Super Duty Tough Work, we back, Print Nificence, my partner, 
Illogic. What up? Today we're talking about direct to fan relationships, direct to fan uh, consumer and selling direct to fans instead of going the old round. Now, before we get into this, we, let's give some background on this whole thing because we got to talk about what it, what it used to be. Mm. See, when we first started, when we first started, everybody wanted to be signed. If you weren't signed, you know, you were looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Y'all know the infamous uh, Souls of Mischief line. If you're really dope, well, I ain't just signed yet. Mm-hmm. But I get my loot from Jive Zamba. You mm-hmm. see, they were signed. Looking down on all the rappers who weren't at that time. And right. it's not, that's no knock on them. That's just how the industry was. Like, Yeah, that no, was the time. Yeah, no one's goal was to make a dope record, press it, and sell it themselves and go through mm-hmm. that hard work. That wasn't the goal back then. Very few people did that. Um, and there was very few people exposing the benefits of that world. So what you had back then, and there was not even enough, uh, I'll say, infrastructure around being an independent artist and going that route to, to truly, truly support guys. Yeah, there was no band camp. No. You know what I'm saying? There was nothing There was nothing available for you yeah. to do direct to fan you you know, even... things. Like you had to do it. You had to go the same route as a record label and you couldn't afford to go the same route as a record label. Exactly. Because you're competing with them for shelf space. Right. Back in the day, everything was revolved around retail. Yeah, and there was so, no digital. There was no. no Spotify. There was no none of Apple Music. There was none of that shit. iTunes came none way. None of that. No YouTube. Yeah. No, yeah, no YouTube. No, none of this. No social media, right? So mm-hmm. the the labels had a lot on how to promote and distribute music. And so the independent artists had a disadvantage for several decades, forever, the majority of this industry. And what has happened over the last 15, 20 years is that the means of distribution, the means of creating music, uh, bandwidth, speed of phones, uh, social media, um, all of these things have made it to where artists no longer have to get signed to make money from the craft. You don't have to. And along with that, the perception of it has changed. You know, now the perception of it, like we were saying, when we first started, cats looked down on us for selling tapes and shit because then you still wanted to be signed at least to a big indie. Mm-hmm. And we was just like, fuck it. We're going to put our stuff on out ourselves. And then what did we do? We attracted independent labels who wanted to sign us by doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ultimately had more uh, larger careers and more successful careers than anyone who ever kind of looked down on us. Right. You know, but we were one of the first crews to go hand to hand with the tape game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hand to hand with the flyers. We didn't rely on venues to promote for us. We had a, a team. We would go hit the streets. We would do all these things ourselves. We went and worked our own. We were the first crew in Columbus working our own merch tables. Yeah. You go to the shows, we ain't got nobody sitting there. We, you, nah, we got t-shirts. We had the whole spread. This is in 2000. Right. Before anybody was doing that shit here. Yeah. It, and, you, and if you look at the history, like um, you look at Master P, you look at fucking Too Short, you E-40. look at fucking E-40. Yep. You know, like this, is, this was the blueprint to how they got to the point. Yes. Where, you know, Master P is a great example. I just watched... <clears throat> 
<clears throat> I just watched this uh, this thing called um, um, No Limit Chronicles, and it's basically the story of how No Limit was built. And um, um, yeah, it wasn't no, no, not No Limit, but um, what was Masterpiece? Uh, it was No Limit. Masterpiece. Was no it limit. was No Limit. Okay, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, like he started out basically selling tapes and selling CDs hand in hand. Yeah, and you know the reason that he got that deal that he had because he was selling like. 300,000 copies hand in hand. Yep. And this is why he was able at the time when he first got his deal, when he got his distro deal, this is why he had the best deal of any, you know, music um, mogul in hip hop. Yep. Because of what he was doing independently and what he was doing hand in hand. So he had an 80, I think it was an 80, uh, 80, 20 or 85, 15 deal or something like that. Yeah. Um, with, um, who was it? Priority, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was and, priority uh, or it was one or one of those. Yep. Yeah. And you know, like he was selling so many records that the labels were knocking his door down, offering him millions and millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, because he was making, you know what I'm saying? A million on his own. Yes. Without them, you know, and here that was looked at as, you know, yeah, this, yeah, he was looked down. The South is always the South and the Bay. Mm-hmm. And really, Master P talks about how he learned to hustle from the Bay. Yeah, exactly. Because that's and, where he moved out to. Yeah. Yeah. And he came back to the South with that. And mm-hmm. so the Bay is really the pioneers of this whole thing, you know, direct to fans, working direct with distributors. And um, it's dope to see, you know, and, and I was reminded of this when I saw that YouTube, that uh, clip I was tagged in. And I was like, yo, man, this is kind of dope that other artists are waking up to it. And and one and so we're going to talk about the benefits of going direct to fans in this episode, because there will be a lot of things that will make you say, I'm just going to pass this off to them. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to strive for that thing over there so I don't have to do the heavy lifting because I don't want to look like I'm not cool. But the number one benefit that we're going to talk about is more money. You touched That's on it huge. with Master P. The the markup that you get, we've all been you've you've had a deal with with a, with a with a label for a record. I've had deals with with labels for records, and no markup beats you doing it yourself. Now, what people don't understand is like, let's say you got a ten dollar record with uh, a label or whatever, you might see two to three bucks a record after expenses mm-hmm. you know after you're split with them after expenses the app i mean shit most artists only see one dollar record if if you're right. lucky you know what i'm saying if they're lucky and in a lot of independence you know you might have a more equitable split but you still got expenses being taken out of that right so it's not as great on the back end um but when you do it yourself your only expense is the cost your markups go from you know like I I made more money uh in 2014 with Respect Architect than I I mean two, three, four, five times than I made with Adventures and Counterculture with Rhyme Sayers. Right. Because it was direct. Mm-hmm. I didn't sell as many records. You know what I mean? Um, but I made my markups were higher. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and I was seeing more of the pie. And uh a lot of people don't think about that when they when they look at people who are hustling, who are doing it themselves. Sometimes their first thought is, man, you know, that's a lot of work. And they think that you have the same markup as the. Other guy, 
Nowhere near. No, no, it's different over here. Yeah, especially when you look at CDs. Like two bucks a CD, you sell it for ten. Yeah, like come on, like that's eighty yeah. percent. You know what I'm saying? That's an eighty percent markup. Talk. Think of what major labels. Remember when CDs was getting near twenty bucks and like <laughs> going like Fye or media play these stores in the malls, Best Buy. And it was like twenty dollars for CDs right yeah, before the bottoms fell crazy. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, they're probably getting the CDs for fifty cent because they get a hundred thousand of them printed at once. Yeah. They probably yeah. made shit and they charged, they was killing the industry. Yeah. <laughs> Putting out whack shit though, too. And so, you know, I think that went far into why people just was so quick to be like, yeah, fuck this CD shit. We're going to stream, you know, because it was like mm-hmm. too much. It was too expensive. And, uh, but yeah, the markups are crazy in comparison to being on a label who has more overhead. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main th- reasons to do it. Um, something I also want to touch on with this is like when Soup was talking, he was talking about how we put all this work into music as artists. Like whether you sell direct or whether you're signed or whether you go straight to streaming only and don't have physical product, the work that you actually put into recording that process product is the same. Yeah. You, you, you dedicate your life. Artists are dedicating everything they have to making dope art. And, uh, what happens though is that depending on how you put it out, you may feel like your return on that ain't what it should be. And we've all felt like that as artists. Like, yo, if y'all only knew what I put into this, I'm salty about what I'm getting out of this. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is equal. You know what I'm saying? Um, some people just, you know, you can do it. Recognition is cool. Some people want to actually make money. Some people spend a lot of money making records. They bring in musicians. Yeah. Studio time. Mm-hmm. videographers to catalog the whole thing and yeah. promo pieces and content creators. It's like, yo man, this is not a cheap thing. And so what has happened though, is that as we've gotten away from physical product, the industry, there's been this push towards streaming. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation didn't become about how much you sell. It became about how many streams you have per month. Right. You have people even comparison, comparing streams to money as if they're the same. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt it was different. I felt like you don't compare streaming numbers to sales numbers because the money is clearly different. Yeah, it's a completely different thing. Completely different. Like yeah. a thousand streams versus a thousand sales. Oh, come on. Night and day. <laughs> Night like day. you don't even, you probably get. What you don't even get a hundred dollars for a thousand streams? <laughs> Hell no! <You> get, <laughs> it's like point, twenty bucks. Yeah, point oh 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 three cent. Yeah, like you know, come on, it's low. Mm-hmm. It's low. But what has happened is a lot of artists have got kind of sucked into that, mm-hmm. believing that all they had to do was just get their stream numbers up and the money will come. That's what we're told. Just yeah. roll with us now. The rates are low right now, and the money will come, y'all. And so a lot of artists have abandoned physical product. Yeah, which is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm even looking at for my um, for my EP like that I'm going to release. I've had to push it back to early next year, but I'm even looking at possibly not going direct to streaming. Like, yeah, I'm possibly looking at, you know, like doing Bandcamp and direct the fans probably for the first, you know, three or four months. Yeah, Windowing you know it out. Yeah, Window, and just waiting yep. it out. You know, I've done so, that. Yeah. So I can be the only place that they can hear it. Yeah. That way that'll drive traffic to my website, to my Bandcamp. Yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? And, you know, make it special for the people that support me. Yeah. And then, you know, drop it on streaming later. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is exactly how the mute, the, the, the film industry does it. Mm-hmm. They don't just put out a movie, at least not pre-pandemic. They don't just put a movie out and put it directly on streaming sites. Right. It's not on Netflix first. They put it in the sites where they have the most equitable split, which is movie theaters. Mm-hmm. They put it where people can go see it. It ain't got to worry about uh, it being bootlegged or getting a smaller share, which is the same. They get the same streaming deals for their streaming their movies that we get for fucking music. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't no sh- ain't shit. Nah, they're yeah. not trying to do that. They're like, no, we want people to go to these movie theaters because we get a lot more money that way. Mm-hmm. And so they they do window, they call it windowing, you know, so you have a window for your record where it's it's early for those who want to get it direct. And then later you put it on these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it make, you make more money that way. That's the number one benefit of it, man. Um, these are these benefits are not in order of priority. These are just number one on this list. I'm not going to say the money is the biggest benefit, but it, it is a it is a benefit of it. So that's number one. The number two benefit of going direct to your fans or customers is no middleman. Mm. What you notice about the industry and you and I know about the industry, especially music. I don't know about other industries, is that there's a lot of people pretending to be important. But all they do, oh shit, hold on. The fuck? Damn, could you hear that? Yeah. God damn. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not even logged on. My Skype is like, it rings on this fucking phone, on this machine. Because Windows owns Skype. <laughs> so it automatically came with it. Yeah, and you know. You can't I, cut it off. <laughs> yeah, you know I hate Windows. That's why I'm a Mac guy. Because Windows mm. just let everybody do everything on their desktop. <laughs> Every app. Norton antivirus popping up 30, every fucking two days. Hey, hey. Yeah. Got yeah, I, that. Had to re- I had to remove that from my computer. Man, they, get, they got a million f- things that get to pop up. Yeah. That's one thing about Mac. Mac locked the whole shit down. You don't get to pop up on no Mac. Mm-hmm. They, they barely let you get on their shit. <laughs> You're not doing that. Uh-huh. You're not going to be ringing in the middle with no thing without the app being on. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you ringing? And I'm not even on the app. Yeah. Not signed, signed in at all. Grimy. Anyways. <laughs> before I was so rudely interrupted by Windows promotion and bullshit. This shit didn't even ring on my phone, man. It's Straight horrible. to my machine. Windows, man. Step your shit up. Okay. No middleman. But what I was saying is that there's a lot of people in the industry who uh, pretend to have a function who don't really have a function. They pretend that like, hey, I got like a job and I can help you do something. Mm -hmm. I can get such and such for you. Yeah. Man, let me do blah, blah, blah. I know some people. You know, I got some people that. Let me make some calls. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you need a. I can get that for you. Mm-hmm. My man's in there be doing. I got the plug at the blah, blah, blah. Just let me know. Yeah. What these people do, they be like professional middlemen. And they try to mark up everything in between. And all they do is create confusion in the industry. They're probably in every industry. People who don't have any particular skill. 
who don't particularly have any value other than knowing someone who has a resource that you need. Yeah. Knowing people that have value. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Their value is that they know people that have value. Like, that's it. That's straight up it. It's like, yeah, that's all we got for you. We know some people. <laughs> that's it. That is fucking it. You know, and so it's like, it's, it's hilarious that like, uh, you know, the industry is full of that. And so what happens is everything you do takes extra steps. You know, you got to know this person to get in contact with that distributor. You got to know this person to get in contact with that uh, promoter. You got to know this person to get in contact with that thing. You got to know this. But what happens when you go directly to your fans, you start having a direct connection with everything else. Like you're saying, you don't have to wait or you don't have to have a label to determine when your record is on streaming. Right. You get to decide now. Why? Because you have a direct connection with the distributor. Right. You get to say, put it on iTunes, put it on all these download sites. I'm going to put it on Bandcamp where people can buy the MP3s. Streaming, we're not going to do it till a month later. Yeah. Six months later. You didn't, artists didn't have a control back in the day. And, and what's happened is like, because there were only a few distributors. Mm-hmm. There, and and they are, there were only a few because the distribution game was physical. You had to buy product. You had to get it in stores. You had to risk losses. Yeah. You ain't taking no losses with no digital product. Game is different. Yeah. And and you you touched on the biggest thing. It was a risk back yes. in the day. You had to take risk. There was, you know, there was a and, and the companies had to take risk. That's why it was so difficult, you know, to get signed and get distributed by people who had pull in the best buys and in the media plays and you know the places where people actually went to buy music regularly it was a lot more difficult you know because they had to take risk they had to basically buy that product from you Mm -hmm. you know and hope that they made their money back (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) so everybody couldn't get in the game yeah Mm -hmm. everybody couldn't because you know you you'd be broke trying to get everybody in the game Mm-hmm. As a distributor, you couldn't you couldn't afford to put, you know, Joe Schmo's record out just because you liked them. Facts. You Facts. know what I'm saying? You had to make sure, like, okay, what's their buzz looking like? That's that's where a lot of that, you know, what you know, that's why social media is such a big tool now for mm-hmm. for record labels. It's like, okay, he already got twenty thousand followers. You know what I'm saying? He already got a hundred thousand followers. Yep. Now let's let's let us put our sauce on that. You yep. know what I'm saying? Because he already got a following. They're not going to take a chance on somebody with a thousand followers like that, no matter how mu- how dope the music is yep. and how much they like them, because it's too much of a risk. It's true. It's true. And now, like you're saying, there's no investment needed for them to do business with you. Right. Uh, and so that that comes at, you know, the the only cost is like now. There's more people in the game. Mm hmm. So if you're playing the game now with the direct connection, you got to understand you have to do what's necessary to stand out. Yeah. You know, we came from the benefit of us coming from the era where we had to literally compete. We had to prove that we could sell shit for distributors mm-hmm. to get on the phone with us. Yep. I remember our first distributors. It was like we were pitching. I was pitching stuff to them for months and months mm-hmm. and months. Nope, 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 nope. Then once we started getting some press. Yeah. 
once we started getting some traffic, once they could go to our website and see our message board was active, once they mm-hmm. seen we was playing some shows, you know what, man? Let, let me get 10 of them unforeseen shout <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me try y'all out. <laughs> right. That's you all know what I said. Just 10 of them. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Let me get 10 of those up to speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's how it started. Okay, we get we we you know we had a little regional distributor. They were in Cincinnati at the time. That was one of our first ones. I can't remember their name right now. Like they went out of business a long time ago, I think. But they were a a, a, a one stop, and they they were the first ones who distributed our records. And they just all they focused on was was Southeast Ohio, and you know record stores down there. Sold that ten, hit us back monthly. Hey man, uh, let me get ten more of them up. <laughs> Yeah, because they started moving. One, yeah. Once them joints, once them joints was gone in a couple months, they like, oh, can yeah. we get twenty? Yeah, maybe twenty this time. You know, they they done sold out. We let, let's keep those in the thing because they they start saying okay, then they invest more. Right? Mm-hmm. We had a direct connection with the distributors, but a lot of record labels didn't have that. Most artists that we know have never even dealt with a distributor like that. Right? We've been doing this direct thing for fucking twenty fucking years. Mm-hmm. Because it was all we had. Yeah. We no had no be, choice. No choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't no record deals falling out the sky in, in Columbus. You know what right. I'm saying? And so, uh, but now everything is is set up to where you can be so successful because there's no middleman. And when you realize that, it should change your whole approach. Right? Um, and for many artists, they kind of take it for granted. They don't understand. They think, well, you know, this is just a lot of work. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more work, trust me, but it gives you more control in the fact that you're in more equitable deals, which is the first thing we named, and you have no middleman should allow you to make more money. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. And uh, yeah. we'll take a break and we'll be right back. I've been talking about it a while, but it's finally here. My new book, The Social Media Cheat Code. If you're an artist, creative, or entrepreneur, this book is for you. I've been a full-time artist for almost 20 years, and the majority of that time has been spent online building my following. I've learned a lot of lessons, and all of those lessons are in this book. What days and times are best to post? What elements make a post work or fail? How to organically get more engagement? How to use current events to grow your following? How to automate your posts? How to repurpose your content? How to sell more products? And much, much more. No complicated jargon, no fluff, just common sense techniques that you can use and apply immediately. If you're tired of guessing and ready to step up your social media game, head on over to waitlist.net right now and order your signed copy today. Peace. All right, folks, we're back. Super duty, tough work. We're talking about going direct to fans, why you want to do it, the benefits of creating a direct connection. We got two down. We're on number three, reason. And this is one that ranks high for most artists. Um, The number three reason you want to do it and benefit of it is a deeper connection. Deeper connection with your fans and customers. What people don't understand is that the more layers you add between you and your fans, the less personal of a connection they have with you. Uh, We see it all the time, you know, with artists who've been in the industry from, you know, 90s and be, uh, before that era was all about mysteriousness mm-hmm. you know it was about like intrigue not being seen you know and then eventually you know what happens is is 
as the, those artists have had a hard time transitioning into this current era, which is about being seen, mm-hmm. speaking directly to people, uh, have telling your story directly to your fans. And the reason this has worked so much is because social media allows us to be so much more personable. You know, going direct to your fans means that you don't have a label talking for you. You don't have this giant entity telling your story uh, in a way that maybe you don't want it to be told or just not telling your story and just selling your records. Right. And what this allows is a deeper connection. And so you think sometimes, well, why, why does, does, does some of these people get so much more excited about this independent artist? Or why is this independent artist able to draw more than some of these major label artists when they go on tour? Deeper connection. Yeah. Deeper connection, man. And so, um, you know, we strive to do it. We've done it forever. And to the extent that sometimes we take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, until we put out certain things or we release something and we, and we speak directly to our fans on Twitter. And we're reminded, yo, hey, man, that song changed my life. Yeah. That thing right there, you know, the thing you did or the thing you said or this post really helped me through this time or that, that album really helped me. These, these are things that people who don't have a direct connection never know and never hear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like um, I like to use the analogy of like performing at a festival as opposed to performing, you know, in a small club. You know what I'm saying? Where at a festival, there's the barriers and then it's like, you know, 12 feet between the stage and the fans. And, yes. you know, it's 20,000 people there. And, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to, you know, performing in a small club where you can touch the fans. You know what yes. I'm saying? Everybody's right there. You can walk through the crowd. You know what I'm saying? People can, can, can you know, touch you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's kind of like that. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I like having more intimate shows you know is because we have built up this connection with our fans over the you know the 20 years that we've been doing this and our fans aren't used to not being able to access us you know what i'm saying like they're they feel like they know us they feel like they have a connection with us so when we're in a setting where they can't access us it feels weird to them and i think it feels weird to us too you know what i'm saying but you know, having that having that direct connection is honestly one of the only reasons that we still able to do this. That's a fact right there, man. Yeah. Without that, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, our fans know they can see us at like a show and be like, hey, um, the logic is at the merch table. Mm-hmm. I can walk right up to him and talk to him. Yeah. They're not freaking out. They're not mm-hmm. bugging. Hey, what's up, man? Let me get it. That and that. And can you sign this? Mm-hmm. What up, man? What you got coming? You know, it's, you start a conversation with them. Oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah. What you do for a living? Blah, blah, blah. That doesn't exist for major label artists. If they go to that table, people are freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? How come? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. They'll be half staring at them, half wanting to run up on them. Mm-hmm. It's unnatural for them. For the, us, it's natural. To the point to where they expect they, they they come to our shows expecting to see us and engage with us, like you're saying. Right. There's not this barrier. We don't have security. We don't have like like you're saying these these this big distance, be it literal or figurative. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. between us and the fans, and that allows a deeper connection. Yeah. And so going direct allows you to do that. Number four benefit of having a direct connection is. A customized experience. 
this is something that people don't understand because they haven't truly sold products themselves directly to their fans. Mm -hmm. When you when you just look at it from afar and you don't sell physical products, you don't understand the range of physical products you could sell. Right. You just think I can stream a song. You know, I can maybe do a CD, you know, if I want to or, or that's it. But you start look at some of the stuff that we sell and we do. You have poetry books. I have books, you know. We got all kind of stuff that we sell that ain't necessarily like um, just music. Yeah. You know, products and services, all kinds yeah. of shit. I've seen people with mugs and. Yeah. You know, socks. And, Doggy bowls. Yeah, like all kind of stuff. Yeah. Just to meet one specific segment of their fan base. And I could tell you, if those people were on a major label, none of that shit would exist. No. Ain't no major label. For one is too much money. Too much. <laughs> Cost too, too much. They're too big. They're too yeah. big. When you deal with a bigger, uh, a bigger uh, entity like that, and I used to say it all the time, like being on a on a label that's big is like when you. The benefit is that when you want something done, they're basically like a a, a three thousand pound elephant, mm -hmm. and, and that uh, you got this wall you need to be knocked down. Once it gets moving towards that wall, that wall is done. It's mm -hmm. knocking that wall down. But if that elephant starts moving towards that wall and you needed to pull up and go around and switch directions and come back and hop over a fucking fence, that ain't going to happen. Nah. It's not nimble. It's powerful. When every resource it has is pointed in the same direction, but you can't expect it to stop and move and be agile and, and take advantage of these little cracks and opportunities you see because it's not designed to work like that. Mm -hmm. Major labels are like that. Bigger business entities are like that. But when you have a direct uh, connection with your fans, you can be nimble as shit. Yeah. You can respond to a, such a small segment like, yo, these fans are into that. So I'm going to do this that does that little thing. Mm -hmm. Knowing that it doesn't appeal to all your fan base. Like I make books because not because my my because rap fans buy books. Mm -hmm. They don't. They like listening to their information. Right. <laughs> so, there's a small subset of people who like rap who will who will read a rap book. Mm -hmm. And they are obviously people who read a lot and like rap. Mm -hmm. Now you got an even smaller subset of, of people. It's like this small overlapping circles this is where they're at they're in that little section right there <laughs> right whereas my rap fans is like this the whole circle mm -hmm. everybody likes rapping this motherfucker but rap and reading is like this small little thing yeah but i can do it because i can be nimble like that i can take a year like you know i'm gonna write a couple books write a couple books back to doing music mm -hmm. delivering a, a unique customer experience because people want something deeper as we just talked about we can give that to them because we're not tied to this business entity that is based solely around selling music. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, with what you're doing with the seven inch, you know what I'm saying? With, with all of the, the promotional things that you've done with all of your campaigns with a major label, it would be more difficult for you to make all of those moves because, you know, they're just worried about selling the music. They don't care about the experience. Mm -hmm. of the campaign they don't care about necessarily the experience of the fan base you know to get to the end product all they care about is the end product facts and they'll do as as little you know what costs the cheapest they'll do as little as they can to get the maximum return 
Like Max. we care about the experience. So we're going to do, you know, a little um, web series to promote our record. Like with what Blockhead's doing with his record. Yeah. You know, just doing the little web series, you know, five minute videos. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to do something similar with the Celestial re-release. Like there's, we have those choices. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not a lot of labels that'll put the money because they yeah. want everything at a high label. Labels don't do nothing quick and dirty. No, 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 no. Never. So everything's expensive. Everything is, you know, <laughs> yep. fucking the best cameras and you got to get fucking, you know, little X to direct it. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. every, <laughs> everything is at, you know, maximum, True. you know, level. And yeah. because of that, they're not going to invest the money mm-hmm. to do that. Whereas we can take our phones and make a couple videos yeah. and edit them ourselves and put them out how we want, make it look how we want. Give an aesthetic to the campaign, give an aesthetic to the video, give an aesthetic to, you know, whatever information we want to present because we have the control to do that. Yeah, man. You know, and we want to create that experience because we know that that experience deepens that connection with our fans who are the people that buy our music. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fact. And, and, and you know, fans love it, yes. you know, because we're just speaking about it from our, our side. Fans love knowing that an artist who could have made a product that's for everybody that appeals to everybody made something that may only appeal to a small segment of their fan base, but they did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Cause like, you know what? They did that. Everybody don't buy 45s. Everybody don't buy, you know what I mean? Like everybody don't buy vinyl. Everybody don't buy some of of these things and you do some of these things. Everybody don't buy books and you're like, wow, this is a smaller subset, but they appreciate that because they know like, yo, you could have just kept making songs. Mm-hmm. But you wanted to do that and give us a different experience. So thank you for making that. Thank you for making that fucking movie. Thank you for doing that because you didn't have to, you know. And so they get to see something which which they never would have got to see if you were tied to this larger machine, which is dope. Right. That's number four. Okay, uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. <laughs> to all loyal listeners of the Super Duty Tough Work Podcast, our brand new t-shirt is here we've had hoodies in the past but never t-shirts so we decided to bust out a brand new design for our first t-shirt which is the most infamous design the shirt pays homage to mob deep's debut album the infamous but flips it and bounces it like y'all know we do if you want to support the podcast and rep the squad by ordering a shirt go to waitlist.net quick note this shirt is sold exclusively with pre-orders of the new book the social media cheat code so you can pick up the sign book and a t-shirt at the same time that's it for now we appreciate your support back to the show yeah y'all know mm-hmm. super duty tough work back in the building as per usual talking about the direct to fan revolution why going direct is the thing to do the benefits of it we got two more bullet points for y'all two more bullet points number five reason to do it is that you own the data this is a jewel that people do not think about 
It's like owning your masters. <sighs> Crazy. Because you own those too. Yeah. <laughs> you own yeah. everything. Yeah. The see what what people to understand why this is important, you have to look at the way social media works. And the way social media works now is that the app is free. Instagram don't cost you nothing. Facebook don't cost you nothing. Twitter costs you nothing. Why? Why can they why can they create these amazing things for free? Because the value is not in the app. The value is in the data. The data about what you do, what you like, what you don't like, uh, uh, what you listen to, what you ignore, yeah. um, where, where you went, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where you're going, mm-hmm. um, the conversations you're having about certain things, conversations you're not having. That data is worth a thousand times more than anything they could charge you for that app. Because what they do is they take that data and they use that data to make money. People pay them for that data. Mm -hmm. Facebook has so much data on us that they can sell. They don't never have to charge for shit. Right. They do charge for advertising and stuff like that, but they would be successful without it. Yeah. Because they know they know on Saturday you always go to this coffee shop. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you always take a selfie. Yeah. At this coffee shop on Saturday at <laughs> noon. Yep. So they're like, oh, they like coffee. Yeah. <laughs> let me recommend some coffee companies to them. Yeah. Let me recommend. And, you, you know, know, I have a million coffee companies that want to reach people like you who go get coffee every Saturday. Yeah. Why don't I charge these coffee companies some money to, to talk to you? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. So for you, yep. it's free. But yep. you gave up your data. And then the yep. business gives up money to get access to you. Mm-hmm. I say all that to say this, that at, at every level, if you're an artist or creator, you don't own the data on 90% of the apps and tools you use. Very rarely do you own the data. Uh, and by that, I mean, so if I use Twitter, yeah, I have Twitter followers, but I can't necessarily message all of them directly. Right. I don't know their email addresses. I just know that they follow me, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Facebook. To reach all of my fans on Facebook, even though I have 50,000 followers on Facebook, I only get a fraction of that for each post. Right. Anything above that, Facebook wants to charge me for. Right? They own the data. I don't know. I can't make a post and reach all of my fans in certain places that have certain things that like certain things, real targeted things you want to do. Mm-hmm. They want to. They want to. They own that data. Yeah. You don't know. The people didn't come directly to you. They they got to you through Facebook. But being direct, what it allows us to do is speak direct to our fans. You know, you can say, "Look, I've got everybody who buys something from my web store. I have their email address and contact information." Yeah. What I choose to do with it is up to me. But at least I know who my fans are, and should. Any should Facebook uh, shut down my account, Twitter, Instagram, I can still speak directly to my fans for those who have chose to engage me directly on my platform. Mm-hmm. That's worth a lot. A lot. And a lot of artists don't know that the longer that you 
uh, keep these barriers in place, the, the, the less power you will have to speak directly and really, uh, uh, really be successful financially too, you know? Yeah. Like you, <clears throat> what we need to do is kind of pay attention to what social media does and utilize that, you know, for ourselves, because just like I did with the poll, you know, with Twitter, like getting that data helps me know how to market to my people. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Having access to the data that we get from our fans, we need to take a lesson from social media and yeah. utilize that to target our fan bases and even subsets within our fan base. Yes. You know what I'm saying? To know like, you know, 50% of my fans don't buy vinyl. You know what I'm saying? 50% of my fans like stickers in the packages. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like just knowing shit like that, it's like, okay, so I'm going to invest this $100 in stickers. Yep. I'm going to invest. Okay, it's, it's better if I get vinyl. I'll get less CDs this time and I'll get more vinyl this time or vice versa. If your fans are more like, you know, because I, I even posted a question before um, I was doing autopilot that I was just going to do vinyl. I wasn't going to do CDs. And I kind of posed the question to my Facebook following and my Twitter following like, yo, I'm thinking about doing this. What do y'all think? And dude, I got attacked. Like you better yeah. not, not, you know what I'm saying? You better do some CDs, you know? <laughs> right. So, you know, I took that information yeah. and I got a hundred CDs. Now I didn't sell a whole bunch of CDs, right? but the fact that I had that data available helped me to make a decision that was in the long term financially, you know, helpful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And fed, you know, a part of my fan base that I would have neglected if I wouldn't have got those CDs. Yeah. 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 It's important. Yeah. You're right. Like using these tools to, to actually figure out what the heck people want. Mm -hmm. Very important, you know, and and sometimes I don't think artists really understand that the value in the data. Right. Like right. we just look at it as a place to kind of get we just look at the likes and share the likes. You know what I mean? I got a bunch of flames on this one, so that's good. Yeah. Like you're just barely scratching the surface as to what this thing can be used for, though. Right. You know, because trust me, for you, it's about likes. Mm -hmm. It's about billions and trillions of dollars for them. Right. What they see is so much beyond what you see. And yeah. we got to switch our mindset to where we get a bigger view of it so we can actually use it instead of being pent by it. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, we all get pimped by social media. It's just like, yo, if I'm going to be pimped then I'm I'm sending some people back to my spot. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I'm not I'm not giving uh, y'all no free content over here. Every kind, everything I post got to have a link back to my shit. Yeah. Because they're pimping me over here mm -hmm. and I got to break Instagram off. You know what I'm saying? They, they extorting right. me. They, they you know what I'm saying? They hold my 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 fan base hostage. Mm hmm. Even though I brung them here. What the fuck? You know what I mean? But it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, you need the social media cheat code in your life. That's how not to get pimped. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> By social media. You need to get that, that cheat code in your life till you learn how to utilize these products that is that what i should have named it how to not get pimped by social media i just sold way more copies <laughs> clickbait like a motherfucker. yeah i need i need to change the title because the title is cool but it ain't doing numbers that it could be doing with that title sure how to not get pimped by social media would be a bestseller 
<laughs> bestseller. I need that because, yeah, people sleep. Oh, yeah, it's cheat code, you know. Nah, man, same information. I'm going to just market it differently. Yeah. Sell a million copies. <laughs> Getting pimped by social media? Yeah. Tired of, <laughs> tired of putting your hands on your fucking ankles? <laughs> tired of walking a stroll? Do your feet hurt from walking a strip all night on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> getting nothing in return <laughs> and turning your money over to, to Facebook at the end of the day. Oh, man. Are you tired of the walk of shame every time you post some piece of content and you get nothing out of it? We got the book for you. How to not get pimped by social media. Uh, sound like some Velvet Jones shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to be a hoe. Like, <laughs> right. Some super pimping shit. Me in a mink coat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chilling on the stroll, like come here, you know what I mean. Let, let me highlight your young oh, blood. Man. Let me give you this 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 book right here. Put you up on game. See you out here getting pimp for all your energy. Yeah. Coming over, coming over here to death row. You know what I'm saying? We're <laughs> here pimping with my hands in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, come on over to Death Row, man. You know, if you don't want to get pimped no more, buy the social media Chico book. Because, <laughs> yeah, I do talk about all of this in the book. Yeah, for real. For real. That's what made me think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I break all this down. You know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's number five. Then last one. Last one. Last benefit of a uh, direct connection is better product. Yes. When you're directly uh, speaking to your fans and not and you know who they are and you know what they want, not you guess, not you think, not you just make something and it happened to stick. Mm -hmm. You know who your fans are. You know what they like of you. You know what they think your best shit is. You know what they ain't gravitated towards because you speak directly to them. You're going to make better product. Right. You're not going to be guessing anymore. A lot of artists on major labels, they got whole staffs that tell them what to make. Yeah, that's all they do. Yeah. They got research groups and peer groups and they be testing Mm -hmm. shit out. They got whole groups just to figure out what is good. Mm -hmm. They don't be talking directly to the fans, though. Nah. If you talk directly to that artist fans, you can get the same data. They just can't. They just don't know how to get to those people Mm -hmm. because uh, when they put a record in stores, ain't no way to figure out who bought it. Right. When it streams on Spotify, ain't no way to tell who listened to it. Yeah. So they got to do uh, uh, groups and study groups and have people here and do all this, this, this marketing research. You can do the same thing directly on your social media. Same thing by asking questions. Mm. And those questions will make you create better product. That's why once you behold into the to the to people, you know, like, oh, this is this is what my customer looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what my fan actually looks like. This is what they like from me. I never mm-hmm. would have thought that that's their favorite jam. Right. Right. That kind of shit. It, that kind of shit is priceless. Yeah. And but you don't get that when you don't speak directly to your fans. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's it. Word. That's it, man. You know, the uh, the direct fan revolution, the benefits of having a direct connection. And I'm going to read them back. Number one was more money. 
Number two, no middleman. Number three, a deeper connection. Number four, customized experience. Number five, you own the data. Number six, better product. And that's it because, you know, it'll take us an hour just to get through six. We ain't got 10 bullet points for y'all this week, man. Nah, man. These are powerful enough. Yeah. We just came with the bazooka. You know what I'm saying? We just got, we ain't got a lot of shots in that thing, man. But it's a fucking Colt 45. It'll blow a hole in your chest. It's not, we're not playing this week. We didn't bring the 22 with 10 shots. (laughs) We brought some big shit. Mm. Okay. So that's it, man. You know, if you out there, you know, we appreciate y'all listening and y'all support, you know, uh, Logic uh, Celestial Clockwork Repress is coming. My new 45 is is pre-ordering right now. Uh, go to waitlist.net and support. As we mentioned, you know, pick up, you know, uh, the social media cheat code book. It's a great book. I've heard nothing but really, really great feedback from artists on it so far. And, um, you know, get the 10 traits while you at it. If you like this you podcast, I mean? get the books. Stop playing. Stop depriving yourself of success. Mm-hmm. game you know get up on that game real quick and uh yeah we'll see y'all next week Word. peace peace thank you for listening to super duty tough work subscribe to the podcast on itunes follow the podcast on soundcloud that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work, huh? <laughs>